over the last several weeks, as part of our Love One Another series, we've been looking at this idea of, of how to make it real to, to demonstrate love for one another. And the scriptures teach us that showing love one to another is one of the distinguishing features of being a Christian. You know, it says that's how you'll know that they're my followers by the way that they love each other. And so we're taking a very systematic approach of looking at a number of the one another scriptures that Jesus used in the New Testament. So we started with honoring one another, Last week it was not judging one another, uh, and today we're talking about the idea of instructing one another. We have an anchoring text, it's found in Romans chapter 15, from verse 14, and I'll read it from the ESV. It says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one, other, one another. If you can bow your heads, I'd like to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word goes forth and never comes back void. Lord God, I pray that in this moment, that for the remainder of this service, that your, your spirit would direct every moment. Lord, that even as you've been moving already in this service, God, that you would continue to speak to your people. Lord, use me. Let me be a vessel that's emptied out and able to be directed by you to achieve your purpose. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So one of the things that I've learned over time is that there are, there are some things that I do well, things that come naturally to me, and then a lot of things that, that aren't, things that don't come easy to me, things I struggle at, things that are outside of my natural skill set. And in all of those areas, I often need someone to come and instruct me, give me a little bit of guidance, show me what to do, and I have very vivid, not so wonderful memories of junior high music class. Um, some of you might have loved junior high music class, but my junior high music class, they made us play the violin, which is a lovely instrument. Not always at the hand of, of 12 year olds. And I was, one of those, I was one of those young people who really struggled with the instrument. And, and the violin, if you don't know what you're doing, is, is like a special kind of torture to have to put it right up against your ear and sort of like, you know, it was, it, was, it was really not a pleasant experience. And then as I've grown, I've encountered more and more situations that have taught me that there are a lot of things that I do not know how to do and things that I need people to help me with. And that became very apparent when my wife and I bought our first home almost, almost a decade ago. They hand you the keys to the house and they say, it's yours now, and I'm like, I don't know how to take care of a house. There's a thousand things you have to do as a homeowner and I didn't know how to do any of them and they didn't come naturally to me. One of the things that happened one time was that the, the soap dish in our bathroom broke. And it's one of those ones that's built into the, the shower tile wall. So I have this broken soap dish and I say to Sarah, okay, well, I guess, I guess I've got to fix this. <laughs> so I looked and I found an identical one was on sale at, at one of these home, uh, home hardware, Home Depot stores. And I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch a YouTube video, because that's always the best way to solve every problem, right? So I watched a YouTube video, it's a two minute video, and it made it seem very simple, like really simple. So I went, I picked up the supplies I needed, I brought it home, and it said essentially, you know, remove the caulking from around it and take a little wedge and like tap, tap, tap out the old one, pop in the new one, seal it up with glue. Easy, right? So I said, okay, great. Like, honey, don't worry, this isn't gonna take too long. I've got this well under control. And so I take the wedge and the hammer, no word of a lie, 
first strike of the hammer, I break the tile above the soap dish. <laughs> so now I'm not just trying to figure out how to install this, this soap dish, now I need to know how to tile a shower, which is a whole other order of magnitude. So then I'm watching another YouTube video on grout and, and shower tiles, and it was a nightmare and ended up costing me a fortune, four trips to Home Depot, spent the whole weekend in the bathroom. <laughs> It was, it was not a great experience, and the moral of the story is don't trust two-minute YouTube videos. Um, but the other, the other point of the story is that had I been approaching this task with someone who maybe had done this before, they might have given me some just simple basic instructions, maybe don't hit the, you know, the hammer that hard, just, just little things that would have made a big difference. That sometimes, you can get help from people and they don't even necessarily have to be experts, but maybe they've just encountered that situation before. And in the past couple of years, my family moved to a home that's a little bit further out into the country where we moved from Orleans to Cumberland. Um, and God knew that I would not survive country living without good neighbors. <laughs> and so he blessed me with amazing neighbors on, on both sides who have a lot of experience, very handy, able to do all these amazing things that I can't, and they are wonderful. They come over and help me all the time. Just recently, we were looking out the window, and my neighbor had built a shed from scratch. Beautiful, just this, this gorgeous, gorgeous structure. And Sarah was there from our kitchen window, just admiring it. And she was like, wow, that looks, that is just so amazing. And I said, well, I can do things too. <laughs> I was like, I, I can write a policy paper. I can write a good briefing note for senior, for senior leaders. I can do things that are impressive too. But thankfully, these, these neighbors have been amazing, and they, they come over all the time if there's something happening, and I'm unsure. Um, literally, I can just kind of send a quick text, and they'll come over, and they're showing me things about sump pumps and generators and how to work a chainsaw and all these things that I knew nothing about. And so I would say that now I'm at a place where there are a few things, not many, but a few things that if somebody came along and said, ah, you know, like, I don't know how to do this, I could say, well, I've learned a few things, I can show you how to do this, that, and the third. The simple reality is that getting around others with a little bit more experience in whatever you're doing makes a huge difference. They don't have to be experts. Sometimes they need to have just done that task before and they can step in give you some tips and tricks that'll help you navigate a situation. So I learned how to paint by basically being in a room with someone who knew how to paint. And they weren't a professional painter, but because they had done it before, they showed me how to put up the painter's tape and when to use the brush versus the roller, etc. And by no means would I quit my day job and become a painter, but if there was someone that I knew who needed to know how to paint, I could come over, I could chat with them, I could show them a few things and help them if they were starting out on a paint job. I know I've talked a lot about Home Depot and paint and other things, and I, I'm going some, somewhere with this, and it's really to draw some parallels to the Christian life in that one of the things that seems to happen a lot in contemporary Christianity is that we've compartmentalized biblical instruction, that we treat it as this special thing that only people with theology degrees, that only people who've been to seminary, only pastors are able to teach, and yet, we are all meant to be equipped to give some measure of instruction on spiritual things to the people in our lives. 
So our text that we started with, our anchoring text from Romans, is at the end of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And he says about that collective group of believers, there's goodness inside of you, there's knowledge, and you're able to instruct one another. So really today, I just want to empower you and encourage you that if you're walking with Jesus, that applies to you. There is goodness inside of you. That's just a beautiful way of thinking about what happens when God's spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives. That there is goodness inside of us. We can't take credit for his goodness. But when we enter into a relationship with him, when we're filled with his spirit, the goodness of the Savior comes and takes up residence in our lives. And if we let him work in our lives, if we let him actively work with us, then his goodness just begins to shape us. And the fruit of the spirit become evident in our lives. And people say, that's a good person. They won't necessarily say that you're perfect or that you've got it all together, but, but there is goodness inside of us that's not our own, but that shapes us and makes us into better people. And then there's also knowledge. If you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you may have more knowledge inside of you than you realize. And most of us actually underestimate how much knowledge that we have. Many feel that we're not qualified, and one of the lies of the enemy is, is to tell us, close your mouth, you're not qualified to share anything about the Bible. You don't know enough. You don't know enough, so you can't share that word with someone. You can't speak into someone's life. Just close your mouth. You don't have what it takes to share on biblical matters. And I know that there are some people who already feel like they know everything, and so they're like, yeah, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't need this, I already know. I know the whole Bible, I know it back to front, and, and they like to you know, present that, that angle, but I think that for most of us, sometimes we have this sense of like, you know, the Bible is so big, there's so much to know, I don't know enough, and that can block us from feeling able to share with others the really good biblical knowledge that is inside of us. And if you're here and you're new to faith, you're just kind of starting into a relationship with Jesus, you've just given your life to the Lord, I want to encourage you that all around you are some people who can offer good, sound biblical instruction. That there are people that you can rub shoulders with in this room, men and women, young people, older people, who have spent time in the Word of God, who know the Bible, who have been listening to biblical instruction for some time that could offer you tips and tricks and instruction that can help you navigate situations. Because this Christian life was meant to be lived out in community with one another. And all around you are some, are some men and women who have walked through some things with God that they can share wise biblical knowledge. And there's absolutely vital, crucial biblical teaching that comes from the pulpit to anchor our lives but there are also people all around you that have a walk with God, that have spent time in the Bible and are able to offer words of wisdom into your life. So imagine with me, to help, help make this clear, imagine that there was a program at Home Depot. Home Depot doesn't pay me, I promise. A program at Home Depot where every week you would go there for about an hour and a half of instruction on how to care for your home, every week. Let's imagine, it's like, this is like the Home Depot Sunday program. And every Sunday, you go there for an hour and a half, and they teach you how to care for your home. Maybe sing songs about building a fence, and, you know, <laughs> laying, laying laminate floor, and changing kitchen faucets. If you are a part of this program, well, I guess, raise your hand if you know someone who needs to be a part of that program. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Your significant other will not be, will not be happy. Um, 
But you could imagine that if you were a part of this for a year or two years or three years, that after a while there would be a lot of knowledge, right? You would have a lot of knowledge that you would have just gleaned about how to care for your home. And it might not make you, you know, a, a, a plumber or an electrician, you could still be an accountant or a physiotherapist, but you would have knowledge about how to care for your home that you would be able to share with others. And yet, for some reason, we don't think about our relationship with God in the same way. That if you've been coming and taking in biblical knowledge for a year or two years or three years or 10 years, you have so much knowledge that you don't even realize that is inside of you that is so valuable so valuable and so needed in the world around you and for the people that are in your lives. There are so many individuals who come to church regularly for years and still feel like they're not qualified to give any instruction to the people that they love in matters of the faith. There's a funny thing that happens sometimes in churches where we say, you know, it's a good thing that, that Pastor Jason knows so much. That was a great message, but we don't always say, you know, maybe I should write down that scripture. Let me, let me take note of that. That was really good so that the next time I'm in a situation that could be applicable to this, I would be able to share that same word of knowledge. We don't always think about how we have a, a role and an opportunity to instruct others with biblical truth. There has to be a, a, a way of thinking that's very intentional that we don't think, you know, we are in the audience and we're consumers, but we think more, I am here to be equipped to be trained to have biblical knowledge that I can use and I can share with the people in my life. And Ephesians chapter four um, expresses this so beautifully. Uh, verse 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Such a, it's, it's a simple statement, but there's a lot, of, a lot of meaning in there when we think about what is the purpose of the evangelists and the prophets and the teachers. Their purpose is to equip the body. That we all would feel competent and equipped and able to rightly divide scripture so that as we are going about our daily lives, as we're engaging with people, as we're interacting, that we would feel competent and able to share biblical knowledge with one another. And here at Life Center, we completely reject the idea of celebrity Christianity that seems so popular these days, that's all about one person that has special knowledge and it's all about, you know, name your favorite TV, TV preacher, but rather a model that says we are here as a body and we are being equipped and we are being trained so that together we can make a Jesus-sized difference in our community. So I want to encourage you that if you have been faithfully hearing the word of God spoken into your life, that the time that you've been spending coming and hearing this, this biblical training take being brought into you, the time that you've spent reading your Bible when nobody's around, that nobody sees you, there's no fanfare, you're just popping open your YouVersion Bible app and maybe you're just reading the verse of the day and reflecting on that, reading a few chapters, the time that you're spending is absolutely to enrich your life and strengthen your faith. And it's also so that you would feel competent and confident to be able to share that biblical instruction because there are so many situations that occur in our everyday life where there's some wisdom that comes from the word of God that's applicable to people's lives that we would be able to speak into. Some of the most impactful things that you do might be quiet conversations. 
Some of the, the biggest difference you might make is not where anybody's even noticing, but is in, in quiet conversations that you have with someone, where they're walking through a situation, and you help them navigate that situation with the biblical knowledge that is inside of you, that you are able to help them understand the scripture better, that you help them navigate a challenging situation, that you give someone clarity about what God is doing in their life. And one of the greatest examples to me of this is the impact that Priscilla and Aquila had on the life of Apollos. It's a beautiful story told in Acts chapter 18, and we're going to unpack it a little bit, starting from verse 24. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. It's a cool scripture. We have Apollos we're being introduced to. He's clearly passionate. He's a great speaker. He's well-intentioned. He had learned about Jesus, and he had begun speaking boldly in the synagogue. So you can imagine this context of, of these Jewish rabbis and people there, learned people, and he's engaging with them intellectually and sharing from the scriptures how Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And then it says that Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately to him. So then you go, well, who are Priscilla and Aquila? Well, we've got to step back just a little bit earlier in Acts chapter 18 to understand who Priscilla and Aquila were. Acts 18 verse 1 says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So now we have a little bit of the context that we have Paul, he's arrived in Corinth, which is one of the larger cities in Greece, and he meets a Jew named Aquila who had come from Rome with his wife Priscilla. And it says that they were tent makers by trade. And this isn't a trade that we have today. And there's a lot that we don't know about their profession as tent makers. We don't know whether these were sort of more functional or ceremonial types of tents. We don't know whether they were more blue collar workers or maybe they were very skilled artisans. We don't know a lot about them, but we know that they were in this trade of tent making and that Paul was also a tent maker and that they were his hosts when he's in Corinth. So we know that Paul spent a lot of time with them that they probably had meals together and, and worked alongside each other. And Paul is able to pour into this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and, they, and their lives intertwine, and they become these great friends. During this year and a half, Paul is teaching regularly in the synagogue, and Priscilla and Aquila were his hosts. And then Paul sets sail for Syria, and when he leaves, you can tell the strength of this relationship because it says Priscilla and Aquila pack up and they travel with him. When they reach the city of Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila stay in Ephesus, and Paul continues after a little while and keeps on his travels. So now we have Priscilla and Aquila, who have had this relationship with Paul. They're now in the city of Ephesus, and they have this great biblical knowledge and understanding. It does not tell us 
that they began teaching and preaching in the synagogues like Paul did. I guess that wasn't their primary calling. They were around Paul, they watched him do it. They had a lot of knowledge of scripture because of this relationship with Paul, but their calling clearly wasn't to be up there as preachers and teachers in the synagogues. And yet we see what happens is Apollos comes along. And Apollos is this charismatic, gifted, eloquent speaker, and they hear him in the synagogues, engaging people, talking about scripture. They recognize that he is also a follower of Jesus, and he is sharing with people about how Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, but they realize he has incomplete theology. They realize that there are some things that he doesn't yet know that they know because of their deep relationship with Paul. So what do they do? It tells us that they take him aside and show him and teach him what he needs to be able to understand the word of God more accurately. And there are two things I want to pull out about this that I find beautiful and striking. The first is that it says they took him aside and taught him privately. Because we live in an era where people want to do everything publicly. Where people want to put everyone else on blast publicly. And so you could imagine a situation where, if this was the modern times, where someone would be like, oh, I've heard that Apollos, and his theology is off, so let me write a blog post about it, <laughs> let, me, let me have a, a YouTube reaction video, let me write a series of mean tweets, I don't know if people tweet anymore, but a series of mean tweets about this guy, this guy's a false prophet, you know, this guy's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I have heard so many nasty things from one believer about another believer. And it just, it, just, it just saddens me, right? That there are so many people that all they want to do is tear down. And as an aside, I've learned from having small kids that it's a whole lot easier to tear down than it is to build. And I know this and I've learned this from watching what happens with my boys. And my eldest boy, my seven-year-old Clarkson is there in, in the audience. And he makes these incredible Lego structures. He's a, he's a great builder, master builder. My one and a half year old. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, Clarkson will tell you, it's, it's not funny to him when it happens, but my one and a half year old seeks out his complex structures to destroy them. <laughs> he reaches his little hands up onto the counter, will grab one and throw it down at the ground with force to like smash it. And you're going, why? Why are you so destructive? Why are you trying to break any, everything? But you realize that the only way he knows how to engage is by breaking. We, we, were, we were calling him Baby Zilla for a while. <laughs> because anytime you would make a Lego tower, a Duplo tower, Mega Bloks tower, in comes the baby coming in to just knock everything to pieces. Because you can break in seconds what somebody else has spent hours building. So we have to ask ourselves, if you are spending a lot of time tearing down, you're probably not as mature as you would like. It's a whole lot easier to tear down than it is to build. So if you find everything coming out of your mouth is tearing people down, but you're not a builder, you're not building people up, you're not doing things that will elevate people and build people, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And what we see with Priscilla and Aquila is that very clearly these are people who are builders. Because rather than tear Apollos down, they sought him out so that they could build him up. So that they could actually elevate him and strengthen him in his face and show him more accurately how to teach. And the result is that Apollos ends up being this real pillar of first century um, Christianity. 
The other thing that strikes me about that whole dynamic is that Apollos actually listened. It's very possible that they could have come and said, hey, we want to talk to you, uh, you know, share some things in scripture, and he could have said, who are you? Do you know, do you know, I'm, I'm Apollos. I am, I am eloquent, and do you hear how I'm engaging with these people and how I'm winning these debates? Whatever you have to say, I, are, I don't need to hear it. Because there are lots of people that are, that are so consumed by their own giftedness that, that they're unteachable. But we see that Apollos very clearly had, had genuine motives and was desiring to, to learn and continue to grow, and he actually takes on board what they have to share with him. And Apollos becomes one of the most influential Christian preachers of his generation. He's brought up in multiple epistles. Because as time would go on, people would start to say, you know, Paul, Paul's okay, but Apollos, Apollos. And so there are, there are these situations that you read about in scripture where Paul's explaining that, look, we're all on the same side. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed. And in Corinthians, Paul goes as far as to say, you know, stop saying, one person saying, I follow Paul, and someone else saying, I follow Apollos. We're all fellow laborers together. And, and that context is important because you see that Apollos had become this, this really pivotal figure in early Christianity. But where would he have been if he hadn't been shared and received instruction from Priscilla and Aquila? Maybe they weren't eloquent preachers like Apollos, but they knew the word. And they were able to be used by God to instruct this key figure at a pivotal moment and help him have more accurate teaching on the word of God. We all need to be equipped like Priscilla and Aquila were, ready to instruct, and we all need to be teachable like Apollos that we're able to receive. I want to give a shout out to all of the, the mentors, all of those who work in, in Life Kids and with our junior high, our senior high, our, our young adults, because they are pouring into a generation. They're sharing biblical instruction in quiet ways, sometimes through, through games and, and stories. And they might not realize that as they're pouring into those young people, that could be the next Apollos. You know, that could be the next person who's going to be this important figure that maybe they're just in grade one right now and they have trouble tying their shoes. But as, as they're being invested in and as the word of God is being shared, as being instructed by, by all of us, that they're being invested in, that they would become powerful in the kingdom of God. And Priscilla and Aquila, they were a power couple. In Romans, Paul refers to them as his fellow workers in Christ, and twice in the Bible it references their house church. Romans 16, verse 3 says, Greet Prisca and Aquila. Prisca is the formal name, Priscilla is the diminutive of, of that name. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. I would love to know the backstory of when they risked their necks to save his life. There's so much that, that, that we don't know. I'm, that, I'm sure that would have been an amazing story. But I would imagine that when Priscilla and Aquila met Paul, they had no idea that the entire trajectory of their lives would change. That they wouldn't be known throughout time for their tent making, though that was their nine to five but that they would be known as fellow workers with Paul, that they would be known for their house church, that they would be known for investing in figures of the faith. And 
I've had many occasions where I've been instructed and challenged and encouraged by other followers of Jesus in quiet moments, just, you know, chatting at the back of the church or hanging out, sitting on a couch, eating some Doritos, just, you know, just hanging out and chatting and, and someone speaks a word into my life that, that's encouraging. Or I've been driving in my car with another believer and had them share something with me that just spoke to me at a, at a key moment. And without a doubt, there are moments in every single one of our lives that God is desiring us to be able to step into where we would share godly wisdom with people to encourage them and strengthen them. And that's how we demonstrate love for others. One of the ways is by being able to share and teach and instruct that biblical wisdom. So I want to bring this home and, and conclude with one comment and two questions. And my comment is this. The call to instruct one another has to be framed in the context of love, service, and humility. There's a danger when you start talking about instructing one another, because if you're trying to teach but you don't have love, there's a problem. Your, your words are like clanging cymbals if you don't have love. It has to come from a place of service and not for your own self-interest. Because it's very possible to be like, look, I'm going to get the Bible and I'm going to teach them because they're a pain in my neck. <laughs> and I'm going to show them so that they stop. Right? And, and that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. That's not what this is about. And it has to come from a place of humility. The kind of humility that is, that is reverence for the Word of God, where we recognize that we are people who make mistakes, that we are capable of not interpreting things correctly, that we can be flawed in our understanding, so that as you're sharing with people, you're sharing with that gentleness and reverence for the Word of God that says, I am, I am an imperfect person trying to understand Scripture. I don't have it all figured out, but, but let me share something with you that has spoken to me. And two questions. The first, do you ever take notes when you read the Bible or listen to a sermon so that you're better able to apply and share what you've learned? So as I was, as I was putting this message together, this is the one that got me. Because it's very easy when I know I have to preach for me to take, take time, study, map everything out. But then as I'm reading on, on an ongoing basis, I, I'm not always thinking about taking, taking notes so that I can apply it. Or similarly, when I'm, when I'm listening to a message, very rarely am I, you know, sort of getting out, getting out my phone to jot a little note about what, what scripture that was or that point that was made when I think that that's the kind of mindset we need to have if we're trying to be equipped. I mean, how many of you have had that experience where you're, you're driving home in the car from church, you're like, man, that was a great message. And by the time you're eating lunch, you're like, oh, sorry, what was that message about again? <laughs> right? It's, it's really easy to do, and, and I think that we need to be conscious and intentional about how, what, what we're doing to try to, to, try to help it to, to stick so that we're able to articulate what we've learned and share what we've learned and be able to bless someone else. And my last question, who in your life do you talk about faith and the Bible and your Christian walk with? If you don't have anyone in your life that you talk about these things with, then you're missing out on a source of strength. The Christian life was meant to be lived out in community. I've, I've, already, I've already communicated that, that, that the desire is that iron would sharpen iron, that we would engage with each other, that, that, you know, that that verse of the day that pops up on your phone, that there's someone in your life that you'd be able to say, hey, you know, I just saw my verse of the day, and this is what it spoke to me, and this is what it meant to me, and I hope this blesses you. 
So we need to cultivate relationships with others who can speak into our lives and vice versa. So in closing, thank you for, for the opportunity to, to share. I hope you feel encouraged. That's the vision that we would all feel encouraged and empowered to share. That we don't, not everyone is, is called to preach from a pulpit. Not everyone uh, is called to be an evangelist, but we are all called to be equipped. And that as we're coming and, and learning, that we would feel able to share what we have because there's goodness inside of us, there's knowledge inside of us, and we are able to share and instruct one another. Amen. God bless you.